Hello, Four Star Nation, and welcome back. We got a very special guest with us today. Uh, Mr. Joe Craig has joined us, uh, former University of Memphis uh, football player, former University of Clemson player. We'll get into that uh, here in just a little bit. But we are Four Star Sports Show, presented to you by BA Masks. You want to look like the pros, go to BAMask.com. You can create your own custom football face mask. You can walk around looking like Justin Tuck, little Jimmy. Little Jimmy out there on the youth field can just be raw and uncut with BA Masks face mask. Check them out, BAMask.com, BA Mask on social media. We got Brandon Bumgarner in the building with us. Joe Craig, as I mentioned, is with us as well. Joe, first question for you is this, man. Um, let me just go to that Clemson. I, 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 I'm, I may be jumping out of order here, Brandon. I apologize if I am. <laughs> so what made you make the jump from the University of Clemson to the University of Memphis? Well, the family went from Clemson to Capile uh, Lincoln down in Mississippi. And the reason being is because I had got into some trouble when I was at Clemson. I honestly got screwed over, but, you know, that's in the past. And I I really didn't have a choice. I could have stayed at Clemson and run track, but I, my selfishness in me wanted to play football. So, uh, actually, Coach Sweeney got me in contact with Coach Glenn Davis down there at Capile Lincoln Community College. And I, uh, of course, started the recruitment process. Open. The reason why I decided to go that route was because he talked me into realizing that I had just already came off of a red shirt year. So if I transferred straight from Clemson to any other D1, no matter what it was, I would have to sit out a whole other year. So he was just like, go down here. You're already going to have enough credit to graduate from the junior college. Just go down here uh, and get recruited all over again. I'll send your information and coach your way, which he did. And we keep in contact to this day. But the how, how it came about was Memphis was, I, honestly, I never knew about Memphis football. This is just honest. I knew basketball, of course, but I didn't know any much about uh, Memphis football. And uh, they decided to talk me into coming on a visit. And the city within itself, it, it sold me over, man. It was just something about the city. It was something about the campus. And, uh, of course, Coastal Wednesday within itself. And I decided to – I wanted to be a part of a program that was up and coming. I believed in him, what he was telling me that the program would be, which it is at to this day. And I just wanted to be part of that, honestly. Joe, uh, you, you brought up Coach Sweeney. Uh, I, I, I see a bunch of players that go to Clemson that still keep in great contact with the guy. He's uh, held up as one of the mm -hmm. greatest football coaches out there in college football. Um, and I can tell you still have a lot of respect for the man. Uh, can you kind of elaborate on yeah. how he is as a coach um, and uh, a, a person off the field as well? I know he's a faith-based guy. Um, he loves his family. Uh, and he <laughs> loves Clemson. He loves them Clemson Tigers, and he's one hell of a football coach. Can you kind of just elaborate yeah. on how he is off the field sure. and uh, just as a person so our listeners can kind of relate to him? Just as a person, he's uh, – you know, it's, nobody on the face of this earth is perfect. But if I had to choose one man that I've ever met in my entire life that is almost close to perfect, it's him. He's a man. Uh, just to have a prime example to – it can go back to his childhood days with the current wife that he's with and the family of uh, the mother of his children. They've been together since, don't quote me on this, but it's just, I think around first grade, man, first and second grade, they've been together since then. 
So it's just it just shows a, a commitment from him, uh, the the honesty from him. You can trust him. I mean, for me, example, I can only speak from my experience with him. I got into trouble there, and he kind of put his job on the line for me for taking me back. And I had another opportunity, of course. And for him to just put his uh, job on the line for me, it just showed me, of course, that he respected me and, of course, that he really wanted me there. And I remember the day that I committed to Clemson, uh, I remember I got my scholarship offer. He was honestly still the wide receivers coach at Clemson when they offered me a scholarship. It wasn't until the end of that year when they beat South Carolina that he became the head coach. Once I realized that he became the head coach and I could have him as a head coach, and, of course, he just came from coaching wide receivers. I was on. I wanted to commit. And I remember the day that he, I committed, he told me over the phone. He said, Joe, <laughs> me and you just got married. But the difference between me and your marriage and any other marriage is divorce is not an option. And it didn't really sink into me. I kind of laughed at it as a young uh, athlete. I was just more so happy that I was committed. But it didn't sink into me until those words really meant something in situations that it was proven that, okay, he could have turned his back on me because I, I did uh, get into trouble at his university. But he even said, coaches, my way to this day, he's contacting me to check on me and my family and helping me out in situations, you know. And it's just it just shows that it's past football. And if I I do have a son, he's 10 years old. So if he do grows up and he does have the opportunity to go play for Coach Sweeney, I would love and that would be somebody that I would love to send my children to. That's awesome, man. Uh selfishly, you know, I want I want little Joe Craig coming over here to Memphis, you know. He's got that speed just like Pop. <laughs> so uh oh, no, yeah. but, but but for <laughs> real, I, I, I really uh uh as a as a man of faith myself, uh, I look at Coach Sweeney as a younger guy, as somebody I'd look up to. Even though I I don't play football and I'm not uh, one of his athletes, I look at how he carries himself off the field um, and around the media and everything. You could just tell the guy cares. He cares. He gives 110 percent in everything he does. Yeah. So we appreciate that. Now let's move on to Memphis. You get into Memphis. You leave Clemson. Uh, Coach Fuente recruits you. Yeah. Gets you here. And you said the city sold itself. What what really sold you um, as as far as like the city of Memphis to come here? Was it the people? Was it the food? Uh, was it the, your team? Your future teammates? Oh man, you got okay. The honest story. This is the honest story, and this really got me to even take a visit to Memphis. I wasn't even going to take a visit at all, and I remember. Texan Coach Sheebus. Coach Sheebus was the coach that was coming down to Kapile Lincoln to do the recruiting. And I text him, of course, a, a nice message. Like, I appreciate him uh, recruiting me, but I just honestly couldn't see myself playing for Memphis. You know, I thank you. And this was like at 11 at night. 7.30 that morning, my coach was calling my phone, waking me up, saying that the, the Memphis coaching staff is down here to see you. And I'm like, Coach, I just text him. You know, I told him what I text him. He was like, okay, I understand. They just came down, just show them some respect and give them some time. So I, I went down, I talked to them. They talked me into coming on a visit. And for them to just come down that quick after I just told them that I didn't want to come, it showed me that they wanted me. So I believed in them. I was like, okay, let me come to Memphis. I come on a visit uh, during the week by myself. By myself, they take me around the campus. I was like, okay, I like the campus. It's all right here. 
Um, I didn't like the fact that the stadium was off campus. I like the Liberty Bowl. When I walked into the Liberty Bowl, of course, your first time in there, it's like, it's massive, man. It's bigger in the inside what really looks outside when you first get there. So it sold me there. Uh, they did take me around to some restaurants. The restaurant that I do remember them taking me to was Texas Day Brazil. That was my first time in that. Took me to Central Barbecue. And I also think they may have took me to Chino. I think it was one wings place. But the food did get me there, too. Uh, but it was more so, uh, honestly, Coach Fuente and the belief that I had in him. And um, everything that he was telling me, I wanted to be a part of. He wasn't telling me, that, okay, we're good right now. We can get you this. We can do this, this. I promise you that. It was more so, okay, man, we just got here. This is where we're going to take this program. This is where we're really at right now. We're dealing with this. I know that you and just came out of this situation. You know, uh, we want you part of this program. And a few things that I remember for Coach Fuente telling me that stuck with me was he, he compared it to my life. He was like, this program is up and building, of course. And I and I remember telling him my situation and I was up and coming and maturing and growing. And he was like, it's, it's a perfect match. And I believe that by me wanting to grow in life at that time and eating and mature and everything, and the program was needing help and the program was needing to come up and get some respect, I wanted to be part of that as well. As I was growing in my life, I wanted to be part of a program that was growing as well. So it paid off. I got a, a championship ring here in Memphis. And, of course, we started that train rolling, and that train is rolling right now, and I love it. Wes, you can go ahead. Joe, when you look at uh, the city of Memphis, you, you, you just alluded to it. It's a it's a team that has a rocket strapped to its back right now, uh, on a national level. Uh, when you look at the job that Coach Fuente did, of course, then Coach Norvell came in, mm-hmm. kept the rocket going. Now you look at Ryan Silfield. I, I think he is just pouring rocket fuel on that rocket and keeping it going. Uh, I think mm-hmm. to heights higher than both of the mm-hmm. previous coaches that I mentioned. Uh, when you look mm-hmm. at the University of Memphis, talk a little bit about that brand and how good of a job that these coaches have done is to build that brand. Oh, man, it's to go from my first visit to seeing the Memphis program to even just being on the outside, not even seeing no campus, no facility, no nothing, just being on the outside looking and seeing, of course, the success rate is uncomparable to anything, man. Uh, The coaches, of course, starting with Coach Fuente, who started the train, man. He just got the train rolling. And Coach Novell and Coach Silverfield, they just continue to have this train rolling as the same way that you compare it to a rocket. Uh, Coach Fuente just brought everybody in that was key pieces that would turn people's head. Like, of course, he said earlier, he's heard that a guy was coming in from Clemson and it brought attention. Of course, not saying that I was a, a, a awesome player, but it was just pieces to puzzles, of course, to bring attraction to this university. Now, of course, we got this now, okay? We selling tickets now. We doing this. We got New Jersey combos. Okay, now it's time to apply this to the field. So once we start applying it to the field, everybody just start believing in it. Of course, not only the fans, but it affects the recruiting. These young guys that's around in this area, like an Anthony Miller, like a Janar Avery around this area that could have easily went to uh, any other bigger schools like Mississippi State or old, you know, I ain't going to say the rest of that school, but – uh, they could have <laughs> even went to these schools, <laughs> and but they chose Memphis. So it just shows the impact that these coaches had not only on the players and the community, 
but the athletes, not only within this community itself, but of course, uh, within the nation, man. We're on a global uh, point right now where we really can go in and grab some some players that people wouldn't even expect to come to Memphis, and I'm in love in every bit of it right now, and it's only going to continue to grow. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Joe, when you look at uh, you were talking about your life and, and just how, how you've had to kind of um, have a couple of second chances, I guess is w- would be a good way to, mm-hmm. to uh, phrase it. Um, we know that you were involved in a uh, very serious car accident uh, recently. Uh, tell, tell our listeners and mm-hmm. Brandon and I, for that matter, uh, go ahead and tell us that story and uh, just see uh, that way we can, we can really see what all, what all you've had to go through. Yeah, so, well, it really, last year, it really started out bad when I, my grandma passed away on the 24th of June this month. So, it's coming up on a one-year anniversary this week of her passing. It's, it sent me mentally into a place I really never, ever been. Like, I've been, my house burnt down my senior year. Uh, I got uh, dismissed from Clemson. Like, I've been at low points a lot. But this, once I lost my grandma, it put me at a, a mental point where it was just, I was in a dark place where I was just ready to go. Like, you know, I really didn't care. Like, not about, you know, behavior-wise, but, like, mentally, I just didn't care no more. And just fast forward to a few weeks after going to uh, my grandmother's funeral, I uh, got laid off from my job because I had caught COVID while I attended her funeral. And, like, a week after I lost my job, man, I was coming back home. Uh, I was literally two or three minutes right here from my house, man. And I got into a wreck right here at this red light and it <laughs> messed me up bad. I like broke my neck in the front and the back. I broke my sternum, I broke my arm. When I woke up, I was temporarily paralyzed. They was telling me that I wasn't gonna be able to walk again. They pushed in a wheelchair in here when you're able to get up. This is what you need to get used to. Putting my parents and uh, uh, classes to be able to take care of disabled kids. Uh, I said kids, disabled people, uh, which was me. And it was just mentally, I couldn't take it all, though. Like, once they was telling me everything, once I was coming to realization, where they was t- uh, taking me step by step, what had happened, what I was going through, and what I had to deal with. Like, it sent me into having seizures and strokes. Like, I couldn't take it, dog. And uh, mentally, I just didn't want to didn't want to rely on anybody. Like, you're telling me that I'm paralyzed. I literally can't sit here and feel anything that you guys are doing to me. You're putting uh, needles and pins right here at the bottom of my feet, hitting my knees and stuff uh, with these hammers, and I can't even feel it. Like, I don't want to be able to have to rely on nobody mentally uh, for the rest of my life. So it was just a, a, a big test for me, man. That was the biggest test of my life where it was really, honestly, it just came down to, I'm either going to do everything that I can freaking can to get up and be able to walk and not have to rely on nobody. I don't have to walk the, the same exact way that I had um, recently, but at least I could go on while I don't have to rely on nobody. Or I'm going to hold these pills in my mouth that they're giving me for these pains, and I'm going to overdose, and I'm out of here. Like That was realization. That was a life uh, decision that I had to make. Now, within this life and this decision that I had to make, man, I only had time to sit down and lay on my back to just think about everything that I've been through. So 
I don't look at it as a bad situation. Like, dang, I hate that it happened. I'm actually glad that it happened. I'm glad that nobody else got hurt in a wreck. I'm glad, you know, I was the only one that was, had to deal with it. I'm glad that I was able to get over and uh, I'm still here. But, you know, I'm I'm happy that, you know, I sat down and I learned a lot about myself and took the time to forgive myself and basically clean out this demon closet, as I, I call it, and get rid of everything that i just been putting to the side, mentally hoarding, and just had to face it. So that's how I took it. For those of our listeners that don't know, um, Joe and I have been cool for a while since he got to Memphis and everything. And when he was in the hospital, yeah. I'd give him a phone call every now and then, uh, just kind of see mm-hmm. where he was mentally. And uh, you could tell mm-hmm. at the beginning he was down pretty bad. But uh, when did we have that, that walk, Joe? Was it uh, August? No, nah, I, I got in the ring in August. The walk was like October. Okay, October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. So, uh, we did the walk. We did the walk downtown uh, by the river. Uh, walked all the way down mm-hmm. uh, um, Riverside Drive and all the way back up Riverside Drive. And we had a lot of Memphis fans cheering on Joe and everything like that. But the cool thing about it was to see somebody who had been through something like that, um, just emotionally and physically. That, that was an inspiration for me. That was an inspiration for the people that were around Joe. Mm-hmm. And that was an inspiration for people that have kept up with Joe's story. And his story's not done yet by any means. Um, he's he's only beginning. Mm-mm. But it, it was really, really cool to see that this guy is so emotionally and physically strong to come back from something like that. And two months later... You're walking again. After the doctors told you you weren't going to walk again, you were walking again, which is just, man, that's God right there, bro. That's God. Uh, I, I got to be honest. Um, yeah. He put his hand on you. He put his hand on the situation. He said, Joe, I got your back. Um, okay. And uh, just kind of elaborate on getting back into walking and what it took mentally uh, for you to get through that. Um, you, you kind of alluded that you were, you were down bad for a while. Um, and it, 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 it definitely took an effect on you, but you didn't, you didn't feel bad for yourself. Like you just said, um, Mm. you said it's, it sucks, but you're glad, glad it happened. Um, just kind of elaborate on what it took to get you back to the state that you're in right now. Uh, was it the people that were around you? Was it your family? Um, was it just something that came back, uh, in your head and you're like, man, I got to do this. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it was, it was definitely people that was around me, not necessarily while I was in the hospital because I couldn't have a single visitor and it was like I was in jail due to COVID. So it was some things. That's why I I say that I'm happy that it happened because I, I was shown things some people may not believe that. And the thing that really hit me hard while I was in there was my reminder, my grandma just passed. And I remember um, my nurse, Jake, he was putting my, my cast on my arm. I was in ICU. And my grandma walks in the, do- in the door. She walks in the door. 
And remind you, at this time, I cannot feel a thing. I'm in ICU. I cannot feel nothing. She walks in. They've been doing the test on me all day, trying to see if they can get reactions out of me. They can't. She walks in the door. She comes over to the right side of my bed, and she grabs my right leg, and she squeezes it. And I promise, right hand to God, if I'm lying right now, I promise you. She squeezes my right leg, and I felt it. <laughs> and when I felt it right there, it smacked me. I, and I watch, this, I watch her walk out of the room, and I asked my nurse, Jake, I was like, Jake, um, have, you gave him, have you given me any medication? And he was like, no, no, Mr. Craig. I know that you're in pain right now, so I'm going to get you some as soon as I finish your cast. I was really asking to make sure, okay, if I, if I just put something in my IV, I, okay, I just, I'm seeing things. I'm hallucinating. But I ain't even, I'm not on a pain medication or nothing right now because he in the process of putting my cast on. So for the first, that was the first time for me to be like, okay, this guy's showing out for me right now. He's showing, he's proving something to me right now. And then remind you as well, I was in the hospital three weeks, man, by myself. Only thing I could do day in, day out, because at the first, the first week and a half, two weeks, I couldn't move a thing. I couldn't move nothing. I'm just laying in the bed, just laying there, literally, like sleep paralysis all day long. And the only thing I could do was just think, 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 think. And the only thing that I could think of was seeing my grandma and just thinking of everything that I've been through. Very long story short, very extreme long long story short. The decision that I came up with was, okay, had I died in that wreck just now, I would not have been able to see my grandma again. And the reason being, I know where my grandma is at. My grandma is in heaven. There is a heaven. If anybody believes in the heaven, she's there. I know without a zero doubt in my mind. Had I died that night right there, I, he was showing me, he taught me about showing me things and my memory had me thinking about things that I would not have been able to be with her for the rest of my life eternally. So with this second chance at life, of course, I wanted to sit down and get my stuff together, man. And so when the next time when it is my time and I don't have another second chance, I know I'm happy. I, I'm not going to be worried about where I'm about to go. I'm going to be open and welcome with open arms to my grandma, and I want to be by her side for the rest of my life. So, you know, that's what decision I had made, and that's where I'm going to go with this second chance that I got with life right now. Joe, that, that's powerful, brother. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that. Wes, uh, you got anything? Yeah. Uh, man, four-star sports show presented by BA Masks. Uh, to, to look like the pros, play like the pros, reach out to BAMasks.com or on social media at BAMasks. Joe Craig, that is one of the most inspirational stories I believe I've ever heard. Uh, mm. And that's sports, non-sports, whatever. Also, second, yeah. first question, has anybody reached out to you to make a movie? Because <laughs> I think, I, yeah. I honestly believe, man, this story has movie plot capabilities to it that I mean, it's there. Man, it honestly is, man. That yeah. that that is a very inspirational story, and uh, just hearing, you know, just about the walk, and of course, I'm originally from yeah. the city of Memphis, so I'm very huge Tiger fan. Uh, have been for years, mm. uh, so I'm very very familiar with your work on and off the field. Um, but thank you very much mm -hmm. uh, for everything you've done for the city of Memphis, not just as a player but as an inspiration um, because a lot of people, uh, Brandon included, uh, a lot of people are 120% are behind you. You know that. You felt the love, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Um, mm -hmm. 
but man, your story is really, really inspiring. Uh, I'm actually trying not to get emotional, but um, man, uh, when you look at yeah, me too. <laughs> if you yeah, when you look at uh, at uh, everything as a whole, uh, your football playing career, everything as a whole, man, what do you want Joe Craig's Jr.'s legacy to be? I never gave up. <laughs> I don't believe in giving up, man. Cause I think it's not like I hate when people say the words impossible. I can't you 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 can't do that. Like, I don't believe in nobody telling somebody else they can't do something. The hardest thing that you that can do in this thing that we call life, man, is make your mind up. You know, once you make your mind up on something, it's nothing in this world that can stop you, man. It may not happen overnight. It may not happen on your timing, but it's going to happen as long as you continue to work. And no matter what obstacle has been placed in my life, man, I just went through the biggest obstacle where it was facing death and, you know, <laughs> either get up and walk or just be in this state the rest of your life. Nothing has stopped me from just continuing to just go after anything that I want, man. And I know some people can look at my career and say bad things about it, and that's okay. As a man, as somebody that's forgiven myself, somebody that's accepted the wrong, I'm okay with that. I'm not sitting here trying to be somebody's, you know, hero or trying to be somebody's good example. I just want people to understand and listen to what I've been through so people can get in certain situations and understand that they're not the only one that's going through that. So I want people to use my career as a lesson to their kids both good and bad. Okay, you see this guy right here, he was the third fastest in the nation. How did he get there? He worked his tail off. He worked his tail off in the good times and even in the bad times. And of course, okay, yeah, he made some poor decisions. He did certain things or he was in certain situations where he shouldn't have been and got lied on. You shouldn't do these things right here. So I just want people to take my career or just my life within itself and just use it as something positive. That's all I ask for. I'm not asking for anybody to bow down to bot, to follow me on anything like I'm not asking anybody to do anything like that. As long as I can impact somebody's life positive lives, that's all I can ask, man. Even if it's just one person. <laughs> all right, Joe, we're gonna move on to uh, probably the hottest topic right now in the city of Memphis when it comes to the football program. Uh, the topic of yeah. the Liberty Bowl and the topic of a on-campus stadium. I I've got. Buku's of questions when it comes to this. I'm sure both of y'all can answer them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Joe, let me ask you this, man. As a former player, as a former uh, person, you know, guy who went out there and gave it gave it 110 every every Saturday, not including during the week in practice. Uh, what is your mm -hmm. honest take on the Liberty Bowl? And then give me your take on a on campus stadium uh, at the at the University of Memphis. Uh, I love the Liberty Bowl. I really do. Like, out of I played in a lot of big stadiums, like name big D one stadiums. But Liberty Bowl is in my top five, and that ain't just because I'm being biased. It's just the Liberty Bowl within itself. Just being inside, playing in a, in a dome like that is just <laughs> it's a feeling that you can't can't compare to anything. Uh, I just wish it was on campus. Now, the size of it, all of that, you can get into all of that. The reason being is because we're talking about taking this program, you know, from where it's at to where it needs to be 
And I think that's just one of the, the, the final pieces to the puzzle because you got to understand these kids are not just coming to visit Memphis. They're going to other other schools. And at other schools, especially big D1 programs, the norm is on campus stadiums. <laughs> the only one that I can think outside of my head right now is the uh, Miami. When we went down and played them, of course, when I was at Clemson. But other than that, that's the norm, man. I, 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 it has to be a, a campus at some point in time, rather it's 10 years from now, 20 years now, it has to be a campus on, on – I said a campus, excuse me. It has to be a stadium on campus at some point in time. has to. Joe, I agree with you. Um, with the city of Memphis going through uh, this Liberty Park project over there on the fairgrounds, it's going to take a lot of parking away from the University of Memphis mm-hmm. when it comes to football. Uh, the Commercial Appeal recently wrote an mm-hmm. article. Mark Giannato, he's a friend of the show, wrote an article talking about how they might have to do, use shuttles uh, for people to park at the airport and park at the campus and shuttle people over to games. Well, that's not something that you do yeah. when, uh, when, when you're a, a high major football program, you know. Uh, Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the older people that attend games aren't going to appreciate having to park their car somewhere where they're not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I talked to you on the phone the other day, and you were like, look, when I went to Clemson, I could walk out of my apartment and I see the stadium right there. I can go visit it whenever I want. I can see it whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Everything like that. The Liberty Bowl is different. It's owned by the city of Memphis. You only get to go see it if you're practicing there or if you're playing a game or if you're having a team function at the Liberty mm-hmm. Bowl. Um, and don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, I've grown up going to Liberty Bowl my whole life. I love that stadium. I think it's one of the coolest-looking stadiums in America. Um, but, mm-hmm. and yes, I, I get it. It's only a mile and a half, if that, from campus. But there's just a different aspect um, of having an on-campus stadium. An on-campus stadium is going to bring more students to the games, <laughs> It's going to bring more alumni to the games because they're going to want to visit campus. Uh, it, it, it's just going to bring more money to the university as a whole uh, because they're going to be able to make the profit off of concessions and ticket sales and everything like that and parking. Um, when you look at an on-campus stadium, Joe, uh, where would you like to put it on campus? I know you're familiar with the campus. Um, I know there's residential neighborhoods over there that a lot of people – uh, or like, no, you can't put one there. Well, if the university wanted to buy those houses out, they they absolutely could. Where mm-hmm. would you want to put an on-campus stadium for the University of Memphis? Uh, I haven't, I honestly haven't been over where they're building a new rec center right there by the new bridge yet. But I wish, I wish they wouldn't have built it right there. I wish that we could have built that stadium right there where that, that entire wreck is at now. But Ah, man, if I had to choose, honestly, it would definitely have to be, unfortunately, we have to knock some residential homes down. I'm with it. I've got the money for it, for sure. And then if so, I say, I, I don't know the name of the street, but right there where, um, oh, man, what's the name of the old fence center? Am I, is that right? Yeah, the fence the center. It's off the Spotswood. Yeah, it's off the Spotswood. Yeah, so I say, I say we build right there. 
I said we had, had to knock a, a few blocks off right there, but if we go over there and look at those houses, it's it's either going to be time for renovation or it's, they're going to start demolishing that area and rebuilding soon anyway. So why not go in there and try to invest? Like, like you said, once you put anywhere, I mean, wherever you do put the stadium, once you do put that stadium on campus, you will make that money back plus more. Once the university starts bringing all of that money in, it, it affects not only football, it affects uh, recruiting and athletics within itself as a whole. And once that goes up, it's going to take football up, basketball up, track, wherever you want to go. All the money is coming into the University of Memphis. Let's cut the middleman out and go ahead and bring this entire experience to this campus. Once that is done, I promise you, it's nothing else that needs to be done for the University of Memphis to get any recruit that we need. I promise you. The facilities, the new facilities is ridiculous. That's just the last thing that we need for University of Memphis to be a top-tier D1 program is to have an on-campus stadium. And wherever it's put, again, I don't know. I don't care. Let's find some way somehow to get it done somewhere. All right, I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I like doing that. So uh, what about Tiger Lane? What about the beautiful Tiger Lane where people are renting spots out? Companies have, have you know, put yeah. shelled out a good chunk of money. And then my second question is this. With the on-campus stadium, you've already got to mm -hmm. take out a huge chunk of housing, land, whatever, just for the stadium alone. What about parking mm -hmm. around the stadium? Are you going to have mm -hmm. another Tiger Lane out there? If mm -hmm. so, that's additional. I mean, when you really look at it, on a grand scheme of things, you're going to have to buy up a lot of houses. You're going to have mm -hmm. to, you're also probably going to just playing devil's advocate here, just probably, probably going to piss people off. You know what I'm saying? That are, that are living in these mm -hmm. houses that have been living there for years. Now, like I said, I, do I think that Memphis needs an on-campus stadium to make it to the, to the next tier of football programs? I don't think the need mm -hmm. is right now. The need, right. like you said, may be in 10 years. Um, and I think mm -hmm. in 10 years, you'll see that project already in place. But I think right now, right. if you look at the Liberty Bowl, I mean, I think we've got one of the biggest daggum scoreboards in the country in our Jumbotron <laughs> now. Uh, I mean, of yeah. course, nobody's going to touch Jerry Land. It's just impossible. Uh, I think the Liberty yeah. Bowl, with its history and everything else that it has, as well as the bowl game, uh, I think as far as right now, the Liberty Ball obviously is perfectly fine. Now, the thing is, you've got to pack it. That's the thing. That's what a lot of people are mm -hmm. not talking about. Yeah. And I know our attendance numbers are good, mm -hmm. but you need the same attendance for an SMU game day game when they play UT Martin or when they play Southern Illinois. Uh, you know, yeah. when you talk about brands around the country – Alabama freaking sells out against whoever they play. Clemson's going to sell out the rock, whoever they play. Exactly. Uh, you know, Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, I, obviously the list goes on and on. If you look at Memphis on a national level, we draw a hell of a lot more than Vandy. Of course, everybody does. And I, and I yeah. hate to say that, but Vandy is in the SEC. They're in the King Conference of football. Well, so why does Vandy get a nicer stadium than the University of Memphis if they don't fill it? What's the point? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, my 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 point is, as Memphis fans, we and I include myself in that, we have to fill the stadium. 
weekly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've also got to travel well when we travel. Now, I think mm-hmm. we travel fairly well as a as a fan base. But, you know, we've got to show the nation and the NCAA and all these other, quote, Power Five conferences that we deserve, that we deserve to be in their conference, that we can get in their conference and be competitive, not only on the field, but off the field in our attendance numbers, our traveling numbers for other stadiums. But, I mean, I think when you look at it, the American Athletic Conference, I think, this is my opinion, in the next five years, the American Athletics will be a Power Five, and you'll see the Pac-12 creep out because I think the American is a stronger yeah. conference than the Pac-12. That's just my opinion. But go ahead. Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, I think – I think, like you said, it's not it's not important to have. Okay, I'm not saying we can't have the recruits to come in and all of that without an on-campus stadium. I just me coming from a bigger program than Memphis, it's just I, that's the last piece that I wish Memphis can experience. I just want I just want these kids. I want this community. I want this university to experience what it's like to have a game day where you can literally come out of your dorm room, walk a few down a block, uh, you know, not even have to walk a mile or two, three miles, half a mile, go straight to the stadium, enjoy your day and come back, you know, for alumni, for family, for friends to have to come in, of course, tailgate around the campus, get that co- that college campus experience again, reunion, see your old teammate back on campus, you know, I don't recall anybody coming to a University of Memphis football game outside of the Liberty Bowl and tailgate and where they're meeting on campus. You get where I'm going? It's just more so about the experience. Now, as far as the conference change, I totally agree. I think it's. I think it may be even sooner than that, honestly, and that's just because of what you said. It's more so of uh, respecting the conference. Outside of Memphis, there's other teams that's earned respect. Cincinnati, SMU, you know, we could keep going. UCF, uh, that's been in top 10s, finishing strong. Top 20s, finishing strong. So it's more so about the respect than about being on a radar where it's okay. Now, it ain't no choice. Now we got to respect because you got Pac-12, like you said, over the coming week. <laughs> we don't have a really too much of a choice. So some, some way, somehow, they're going to start respecting us. That's the only thing that Memphis, uh, the University of Memphis has ever been on as far as I've been a part of is earning respect, and we're going to keep doing it as long as I'm living. We're going to earn respect until I die. We're going to keep doing <laughs> And like you said, Joe, uh, and sorry, Brandon, I, I knew you were getting ready to say something. I apologize, Brandon. You can say something just after this. But, um, Joe, like you said, the alumni coming back, spending time with their grandkids mm-hmm. or whatever, and being on campus – being like, hey, I used to take a class in this building, or you know, they're you know, just being able to reminisce and give you know, create memories with their families on campus. I completely agree, I think that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think it will happen. Uh, I think it's going to have yeah. to happen, uh, in order for this university to really take the next step forward. And you've still got the Liberty Bowl mm-hmm. for special games similar to the way University of Arkansas does it yeah. with Fayetteville and Little Rock. You know, you can always you can always have special exactly. games there or whatever you want to do. Uh go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, uh Joe, we all knew that the American Athletic Conference was better than the Pac-12 when we went over to UCLA and damn near beat them and we got screwed out of a uh, 
a win out yeah. over there. We, we knew we were better in the Pac-12 then. Then UCLA came into our house, and we beat mm -hmm. them, and they had a Heisman candidate at quarterback. Uh -huh. But uh, that's nothing new to us. We, we know how good we are. But uh, I was going to get at the new expansion for the college football playoff. So the current setup is four teams, as we all know. The expansion is looking at a 12-team playoff. Wes mm. talked about Power 5. When they expand to 12 teams, there's no longer going to be a Power 5. Now, mm -hmm. there will be, but there won't be. So, say the American Athletic Conference is outperforming the Pac-12 year in and year out, as they are right now. The American Athletic Conference is going to get that fifth bid. The Pac-12 won't. That's They're going to have to rely yeah. on at-large bids and everything like that. So the setup is mm -hmm. six. the top six teams from different conferences, top six ranked teams from different conferences, all make the playoff. Top four get a bye, which that'll yeah. be the ACC, the SEC, Big Ten, and Big 12 most likely. But those other two are going to be mm -hmm. down to the Pac-12 and the American Athletic Conference most likely. And when you look at that, yeah. That's just growth for Cincinnati, UCF, Memphis, Houston, those schools. Um, and it's, yeah, exactly. it's really exciting to look at that. And Joe talking about an on-campus stadium does kind of tie into this. So I don't know any Power 5 school that doesn't have an on-campus stadium. I don't know if I can name one uh, besides Miami, like Joe said. But Miami's garbage, so um, they're not going to win anything. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, no, uh, and it's weird because Memphis is the only school I can think of that has a basketball stadium that's not on campus, that has a football stadium that's not on campus. Now, basketball, it definitely benefits us because when recruits go look at the FedEx Forum, they can be like, oh, hell, this is an NBA arena. I can go show out in front of scouts whenever I have a home game. Mm -hmm. That's an advantage. There's not really an advantage for Liberty Bowl. Um, it, it was made to possibly be in the 60s uh, a NFL stadium at one point in time. Yeah, We all know how that went when the Houston Oilers moved to Memphis for a season uh, and Bud Adams decided to crap on the city of Memphis and uh, uh, move the team to Nashville early. But um, – and this is not me dogging the Liberty Bowl. I love the Liberty Bowl, but Wes was talking about attendance numbers. If you put a thirty-five yeah. to 45,000 seat stadium on campus at the University of Memphis, you will fill it up consistently. We already average around 40,000 people yeah. a game. So you, you add on top of it being on campus and people being able to come home, visit, everything like that. It, it, it just plays a great advantage for the University of Memphis. And then, Joe, you talked about putting the stadium over on the Spotswood side, over that, that area. Well, I can tell you firsthand, that area is not the greatest area on earth when it comes to, like, crime and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. If you put yeah. a football stadium over there, that opens that area up. That takes mm -hmm. crime out of that area. And mm -hmm. I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to consist of people moving. But those houses over there aren't the greatest houses on earth. They're not multi-million dollar homes. They're not $100,000 yeah. homes. They're cheap homes for college kids to rent. 
in the development of the whole Highland Row and University of Memphis area has grown so much because you got bars up and down Highland, you got restaurants up and down Highland. Mm. It's growing. So, Joe, I completely agree with you on putting a campus stadium right over there. Um, My first choice, uh, I know we talked on Twitter the other day. I was like, man, we could put it on Poplar (laughs) in between Poplar and Central. And you go, man, that traffic would be hell. You're absolutely right about that. I didn't even think about it. Oh, it would be awful. But yeah, uh, so I think you kind of that would be uh, that would be ungodly terrible traffic in that area. West, it would be the worst traffic. (laughs) It'd be worse than the I fifty five bridge traffic right now. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) no, uh, I I agree with you, Joe. I think putting it over there, and no, for our listeners, we're not talking about two, three years from now. We're talking maybe five, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now. That it's got to happen at some point. Yeah, exactly. At some point. Um, and then Wes talked about Tiger Lane. Well, Tiger yeah. Lane's great. It's an incredible place to tailgate. It's an open space. You can get to everything easy. Walk through it. But Wes, you've been to SEC schools. You've been to Davis Wade Stadium down in Starkville. Um, I assume you've been to the Grove in Oxford. When you look at those tailgate atmospheres, it didn't. It didn't do anything for me. The Grove, no, the no, Grove no, no, is no, I, and I, I get that, but it, it's all about the atmosphere. And uh, like Joe said, it's about uh, just being able to uh, take it all in. Just imagine mm-hmm. tailgate tents being set up all across the University of Memphis. People are able to see their friends and family, everything like that. Well, University of Memphis has enough mm-hmm. room to be able to do all that. Um which is very, very uncommon for a lot of college campuses because they're so compact and they're on top of each other and you don't have a lot of room. U of M's campus is actually pretty spread out. Um, One place I think of at the U of M for people to tailgate is behind the library. Behind the library, there's a huge open field you can do. Or you can do it in the square right in front of the UC and the administration building and Wilder Tower. Mm -hmm. Like It's it's really nice to be able to think, uh, think about all that. But, um, yeah, Joe, I just wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, you've been a great interview today. We love you, man. We're supporting you. We're always behind you. Anytime you want to come back on the show, you're more than welcome to. I want to have you back on before football season so you can give us your, uh, your picks, uh, your, your prediction for game by game, what's going to happen, uh, and I, I I really appreciate you. That's all I have for you. Um, Wes, do you have anything else? Man, Joe, we just really appreciate you coming on Four Star Sports today. Uh, once again, we are presented by BA Masks. For more information on BA Masks, go to BAMask.com on social media at BA Mask. Alan McFerrin doing amazing Alan McFerrin and company do an amazing job creating beautiful, pristine incredible looking face mask we go to go to bamask.com you can create your own you can have little jimmy or little johnny or whoever out there in youth football little joe craig future tiger yeah exactly you can have little joe craig little joe craig you can go out there looking like justin tuck playing wide receiver or running back or whatever position he plays or you can have the kid that, that guards the water the water bottle down on the end that never even touches the field you can have him looking like the next guy off EA of EA Sports NCAA 14, create a player. 
He can he can have a real deal Holyfield face mask. Joe Craig, thank you very much for joining us today, man. Anytime you want to come back on, reach out to Bum, reach out to myself. Uh, we'll make sure we get you back on. Most definitely. I appreciate y'all for having me. And anytime, man, y'all just let me know. I will make time for you guys. Awesome. Thank you very much. For Brandon Bumgarner, special guest Joe Craig, I am Wes Pruitt. Four-star sports show. We are out.